1: Welcome to a Thursday's here at Tail Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, is you're welcome to join us. Uh, we get rolling. More thoughts on the portal, some holes to fill for Nebraska on both sides of the football as the carousel turns. What's the latest on Tony White? And uh, we'll dive into some of those. Uh, air appearance on the defensive and offensive side of the football for Nebraska always welcome to join us on Hail Varsity Radio 489 1240, 489 1240, or 800 825 5865. Can always watch the show the Hail Varsity YouTube channel, or give us a follow on Hail Varsity Radio at H Varsity Radio. While you're following, follow Elijah Herbal on Twitter at HerbalEssence, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. High school basketball tips off for me and Elijah tonight. So I am in the uh, living room slash kitchen island so I can get to my game in a timely fashion. Elijah's back in studio, but you can see if you jump on the Hale Varsity YouTube as we stream, I told you, Mom, I got a tree decorated uh, behind me as I move uh, to my uh, to my right. And uh, you can see a better picture there. Not pictured, the two uh, okay. pops that, that love shooting said Christmas tree ornaments across the room with their tail. Mm. Uh, they're good at it, uh, even though they don't mean to do it. So that's where we're at, uh, Elijah and Dion uh the one-two punch into the stream already you're welcome to the jump in there. We'll take the other elijah take the other elijah the uh this elijah the, uh, apparently
2: says he's a fan of both nebraska and creighton i used to like him being a, a guy named elijah but now i don't know you it's one thing to say that in march it's another yep. thing to say that three days before
1: nebraska creighton well good luck getting in as the uh the vault is locked. It is sold out. PBA is going to be all full of red. They're calling for a red out. We'll get more thoughts on Nebraska Creighton tomorrow with Jacob Padilla as uh, we gear up for that tip-off on Sunday. So, uh, Elijah, a lot to get into. And, and I think if you're going to take the, uh, the the heart rate of Nebraska football fan right now, really good press conference yesterday by Matt Rule, calming but more matter of fact. Now, the question is still out there with Tony White. What, what is the appropriate level of smoke? Is it smoke from from Kansas? Is it smoke from Canada? And, and I, I hope you know what I'm talking about with some of those days where, oh, look, there's a wildfire. Uh, there is smoke drifting from the Canadian border. Uh, as South Park got it right during their movie, once that smoke invades the state of Nebraska. You have uh, wild burns down in Kansas. Uh, enough wind comes up from the, uh, the jet stream in the Gulf. Uh, again, you have your air quality concerns. You don't have defensive quality concerns right now because Tony White uh, is still at Nebraska. Will Tony White stay at Nebraska and I've got a group text I'm a part of, and a lot of these guys I knew and went to high school with, and they're, they're huge Nebraska fans. And, I mean, it's been nonstop. They're, they're following this Tony White situation, and it, it may not even be a situation, but you've got different folks throwing hand grenades on Twitter about Tony White and USC. What are the jobs open right now? You have Duke. It's pretty high profile. Indiana got filled today. Uh, You have Houston that's open, and you have Mississippi State that's open. Those are your three power five gigs that are open right now. Syracuse got filled. Uh, San Diego State's been filled. Oregon State, former Husker assistant Trent Bray took that position. So you have some gigs that are out there. Is it better in this coaching cycle, this carousel, to wait if you're Tony White? And from a payment standpoint, USC can can pay what they want, okay? I mean, they're, they're paying Lincoln-Riley a buttload of money. They paid the Grinch 800000 And And quite honestly, Grinch was in the Lincoln-Riley protection program for a lot of years, okay? The Oklahoma defense was nothing short of a disaster. It's kept Oklahoma from playoffs. It's kept Oklahoma from championship runs uh, preventables. All right. The Grinch uh, left for uh, Oklahoma as he was the Pirates defensive coordinator. All right. And that wasn't a big fight by the Pirate to keep him at Washington State. Grinch wore out his welcome. It was just too much to ask USC to win every game 50 to 49. So right now, you need a stud defensive coordinator. If you're USC, you can pay to get it. If you're Tony White, do you entertain that? Do you make a lateral move for more money? And are you assured that you're going to have any better success? I don't think it's an issue at USC, Elijah, that the Trojans have high-level talent on the defensive line. I don't think it's an issue of linebacker talent. I don't think it's an issue of secondary uh, talent. I think your 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 twenty two dudes that see time at USC are probably all four, three, four, five star guys. They're good. They're they're good out of high school. I think USC's problem is they're offensive minded, right? USC does what? They throw the football around. They're a high flying act. They're fun. They're explosive. They don't hit or tackle anybody. That's a Lincoln Riley practice problem. If you go there, is he going to change the way he gets the team ready Monday through Thursday? That'd be my big concern if I'm a defensive coordinator. If I'm making a jump up from a, from a G5 and I'm going to get paid a ton, so be it. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, level of concern for Tony White to USC is what out of 10? Maybe put it at five. Maybe five's too high. Maybe, maybe Tony White just hits the recruiting trail tomorrow with Pat Roast and things are okay. Maybe he's still weighing his options. Maybe he has uh, been a, an assistant and a coordinator long enough. Maybe he's ready to just make a jump. But I don't see him jumping, do you, for a lateral, lateral move for more money. This, this thing is, this one thing is certain is Nebraska needs to pay that man his money, says KGB. I'm not sure I'd call it a lateral move. I'll get into that here in just a second. But I, 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 I see this two ways.
2: One being the opportunity that you do have at USC. I know the taxes out in California are insanity. Like, what is it? I, I mean, if you're making over a million dollars, isn't like 40% of your money is going to, to state taxes and then a little bit more on top of that mm-hmm. goes to federal? Like, you're losing almost half your money every single year. So they'd have to make yeah, you, you, a you big, big offer. You make a million, you bring it home 600 right? I mean, they'd probably have to offer him north of $2 million, assuming he gets a raise this offseason from Nebraska to be able to match or exceed what Nebraska's going to be giving him. There are some benefits to the USC job. One, warm weather. Tony White was a kid that grew up in Florida, if I remember correctly, went to school in in, uh, in California, spent a lot of his career before he went to Syracuse down south. Like. That weather is much more familiar to him. That's a big plus for USC. Uh, The recruiting base that you'd have there at USC is a big plus. I mean, you'd be able to to get the dudes that you need into that program in relatively short order, but that brings me to some of the downsides of USC. This is not a one-year fix like you could have had at Nebraska. There were a lot of doubts last offseason with Tony White coming to Nebraska, and I was saying it for a long time. He was coming into a situation that he had a lot of the pieces he needed to be successful. You look at the 3-3-5, one of the most important spots is that nose guard that can play two gaps, that can take up space, that can clog up the inside and make it a lot easier on your linebackers that are a little bit more undersized. That's kind of part of the 3-3-5. Three, three, you had that with Nash Hutmacher. You had linebackers, two of them in particular, in Reimer and Gifford, if you want to call him a linebacker. I know he's kind of linebacker defensive back safety. Two guys, though, that could move sideline to sideline, that could make their run fits, that could be all right in coverage. You had a, a linebacker in Nick Henrich that could get downhill, could take on pulling guards could do really well with that. And then you had a couple of safeties, Omar Brown, Deshaun Singleton, and then later in the season, Phelan Sanford, that could flow downhill and could clean up your mistakes blitzing because you're going to need to blitz with the 3-3-5. Tony White walked into a situation at Nebraska that was pretty set up for him to succeed. He doesn't have that at USC. This, it's not going to be a one-year turnaround at USC, in my opinion. I don't think Tony White's a miracle worker in that way. I think he's a damn good defensive coordinator, but he's not a miracle worker. And that is the question to me here is, if Tony White is waiting for a head coaching gig, the right one to open up, USC is not the move that you make. If you're looking to be a defensive coordinator for the next four to five seasons, make good money, get yourself high profile, and then really elevate yourself into a spot where you can get a, a top-of-the-line, power five head coaching gig, USC is probably the spot you go to. But I think Tony White, from what we've heard from Rural kind of uh, getting up and, and really supporting Tony White and his desire to be a head coach, I think Tony White is just looking for the right opportunity. And if that's the place you're coming from, it makes less sense to go to USC because I don't think it's a one-year turnaround. I think maybe it's a two- to three-year turnaround with that defense at USC getting up to uh, to playing at the level that Nebraska was at this season. You return a lot of pieces defensively next season for Nebraska. One more elite season of a Husker defense, if they can match or exceed what they did this season, and you're looking at yourself a, a pretty good head coaching spot next year, I don't think you're going to go to USC for one year. If you have a, a magical turnaround in one season, which I guess we probably shouldn't put it past Tony White, if you can do that in one offseason at USC, you have earned the spot of a, of a high-level head coaching gig next season. I don't think that's as likely than if you stick around at Nebraska, build on what you had this season in year one, do really good work. You're going to get yourself a pretty good head coaching gig next year. So if that's the long-term goal for Tony White, USC makes less sense. If you want to be a defensive coordinator for a while, though, make a name for yourself, live in nice weather, have a nice recruiting base, USC he's, makes a lot of sense.
1: He's been a, a coordinator for a while between Nebraska, between San Diego State, uh, between Syracuse. His time at Syracuse. I mean, it, it's not if but when he becomes a head coach and you leave uh, for a, another coordinator job that's higher profile. Uh, Nebraska's defense a year ago was ranked in the 100s. In one year, You're not wrong that he had some pieces to work with, but Tony White was able to unearth some of those pieces and get guys coached up. Guys that came in and were pretty talented, at least on paper, as he puts it, he got them talented on the grass. He got them talented for the film, and Nebraska finished 14th in in defense. So that's super impressive. Uh, He's got to kind of follow the the rule advice and – Make sure the expectations and the infrastructure and the financial support equals what you're supposed to do uh, on the football field and where, you, where you're doing it. So if you're a Nebraska fan, you, you want to back up the, uh, the old Brinks truck and pay the guy to keep him another year. But back-to-back years with his defense coming back, with what he's got, uh, is you're you're looking great if you're Nebraska, and and Rule knows that this could be an inevitability where someday he'll leave, and Matt Rule's got guys that he's worked with all over football. That I'll say this that there's not another Tony White out there, but there may be another situation for Nebraska where if he moves on, that Nebraska will be able to to try and not miss a beat, and that that sounds backhanded to Tony White and it's not meant that way. I think Rule's just preparing for what he wants from all of his coaches. He wants his coordinators and guys on staff to, to become head coaches if that's what they want to be. That's what he said. We'll hear from um, uh, Matt Rule on the, the Tony White situation here uh, this hour from, from yesterday's presser but you know he needs to be making more than than the $1 million a year. A three-year, $3 million deal is what Tony White is making. Marcus Satterfield's making three, uh, three years for $4.2 He needs to be on par or more than what Satterfield's getting based on what side of the ball performed and at least got you near bull eligibility. But, Guys uh, love it. Pull on, up playing for him.
2: On the flip side of things, a lot of Husker fans have gone full disaster mode should Tony White leave. I am not in that camp. I think Tony White did a really, really good job. We've heard it so many times from various coaches, from George Darlington to, to Charlie McBride, to name your coach that's been at Nebraska in, in, in recent years, or even distant years. It's not about the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. Tony White did a great job unlocking the talent of a lot of the, the Jimmys and Joes on this defense. I don't think his, his scheme is what unlocked those guys. I think it's the coaching. I think it's the way they practice. I think he's a great defensive mind. I am not in full disaster mode if Tony White were to leave. I think there's a lot of defensive coordinators around the country that would look at Nebraska's defense and see the opportunity there and say, you know what, I think I can can lead that defense. I can lead it well. Maybe not as well as Tony White, but I'm not in full, it's time to panic should Tony White choose to go be USC's defensive coordinator or should he decide to go and become a head coach somewhere. I think you got a lot of young talent, you got a lot of pieces, and I think a lot of young defensive coordinators out there would be salivating over the opportunity to coach this defense. So I'm not in a place where I think it's a disaster if Tony White were to leave. I think he did a great job, but I think you should not undervalue the talent that Nebraska has defensively because you saw what Tony White did in the season. Don't forget the fact that that the transition last year to Bill Bush's defense showed a lot of improvement as well. There was pieces on the defense. Tony White had a full offseason to continue unlocking some of those guys. I'm not in the of the opinion that Nebraska's defense will turn to garbage over, overnight if Tony White were to leave.
1: That, that's, that's where They'll I'm play, at right guys now. Are, guys are playing hard for Tony White. They're playing hard for their position coach. They're playing hard for their teammates. That's the biggest thing you saw uh, with Nebraska's defense. They played hard for Bill Bush. So... Uh, and it's not that they didn't play hard for chins, but they, I think there was just – they weren't flying around, all right? They flew around uh, this season and parts of last season. Brandon says his concern level's 2 out of 10 about Mr. Tony uh, leaving Nebraska. Jackson checks in. His concern level's 4 out of 10. I'm probably leaning that way too, Jackson. Uh, my concern uh, level uh, four of, out of ten
2: four out of ten five out of ten my concern of it being a disaster for the defense is like a two out of ten if, if you follow okay. what i'm saying
1: sure so you, you think they're all right uh no matter who's uh, calling the defense you just want to keep some continuity heading into that's a it. year two that's it all right brandon vogel going to be with us hail varsity continues powered by Cornhead logger and now and now back to hail varsity radio Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio powered by Cornhead Logger. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Brandon Vogel from counterread.com. Reminder to buckle up, hands on the wheel, eyes and focus straight ahead. The driver has one job to drive. This message brought to you by the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Mr. Vogues, how was Thanksgiving? Thanks for jumping on with us.
3: I'm doing well. Thanksgiving Thanksgiving was great. Yeah. The parents made the trek out from from Nebraska, Ooh. so got to have a couple more seats seats at the table than than is typical for us. So it was uh, it was it was nice.
1: That is that is good. I love hearing that. We have started the discussion of smoke, or is it just wildfire smoke? Uh, when it comes to, um, to to Tony White and his future in Lincoln. What do you think? What do you believe? I think Elijah laid out the the why you don't go to USC. USC's the, the, the school now you're hearing about. There's openings that, you know, Tony White looked at. San Diego State, there was an interview there. At least that's what the Union Tribune was reporting. So how do you ballpark this here? Your level of concern is what? And what do you think about the USC possibility there for Tony White?
3: I mean, my my level of concern isn't zero because um, he is at the point in his career with a string of recent results that make him a candidate for uh, either head coaching jobs or kind of upper echelon, I guess, for for lack of a better term, coordinator gigs. That said, um, when I look at USC, I don't know that that's a better spot for 2024 than Nebraska is. Um, You look at the season USC had, there's going to be a ton of attention on this D coordinator hire. There's going to be a ton of attention on Lincoln Riley's defense, um, no matter who he hires to, to uh, run it because that's been the weak link, right? So, and oh, by the way, the Trojans have to to make the Pac-12 to Big Ten transition. And I would argue they might be the worst positioned because of their uncertainty and their lack of success on defense to make that out of those four. Um, Now they can put up a ton of points still, and they probably still will, but um, (laughs) you just look at how UCLA plays and where Washington and Oregon are at at the moment. And I think they're all a little bit ahead of, of where USC is. So you factor all those things in. I would be extremely surprised to see Tony White, and this is just a feeling, mm-hmm. leave for another coordinator job. On the head coaching front, I think San Diego State filling its spot uh, was probably the biggest threat. You know, Tony Tony White still has a connection to New Mexico, but to be frank, that's one of the toughest FBS jobs there is, and UTep isn't much ahead of it um though though he did play high school football in a, in El Paso. So, so if either of those schools got him, they would be hitting more they would be hitting a home run worthy of the biggest biggest bat flip we've ever seen.
2: And Brendan, you kind of nailed what my take was back in the first segment in that if Tony White's looking for a defensive coordinator gig for the next 4 to 5 seasons, USC is probably a really good spot with the warm weather, the recruiting, how much money you could potentially make down there even after taxes. But where I'm at is I don't think Tony White is looking for another rebuild spot defensively. I think he's looking to build a defense, which he kind of did this season, and parlay it into a head coaching gig. And I don't think the, the USC move is necessary. Looking at what he has bring, coming back next season, the young talent that he has, I don't think it's necessary to go make another move in order to get yourself a good head coaching spot maybe next offseason, even possibly this offseason. And is that kind of where you're coming from here? That, you know what, it's, it's a good gig. Someone is going to get really lucky that they get the USC spot because of the warm weather, because of the recruiting, because of uh, the, the move into the big 10 that despite how difficult that's going to be, it's going to open up some more recruiting avenues for you. But I just don't think it makes sense for Tony white. If you're looking to go somewhere for one year, I think it's a much harder rebuild at USC than what he had this season at Nebraska.
3: Yeah. I think it's a higher risk, high, higher reward scenario of going to USC. If you go there and USC makes the transition to the big 10, goes 10 and two or better in the and it's because and you know you can show on paper like you could with nebraska this year the defense took a took a pretty big step forward you'll get a ton of credit for that um and you'll be in the spot where you'll be a head coaching candidate again at nebraska you've already got a year's worth of groundwork laid if you feel confident and at this early stage in the offseason i personally feel pretty confident about this that like the defense still has areas where it can improve. And if the offense comes along with it and Nebraska jumps to say eight and four or something like that, um, you're going to get a lot of credit for that as well. So I just don't see like, if you talk about both USC and both Nebraska, USC and Nebraska seasons going like to expectation or better. um, I don't know that USC offers that much more upside. Mm
1: -hmm. Brandon Vogel's with us from counter Reed, Counterread.com, talking Tony White, his opportunities. Rob Dog checks in on the stream and poses a good question. Does Rule go after a pro-style or dual-threat quarterback? And there are lots of quarterbacks available, some big names. DJ uh, from Clemson to Oregon State, I will not... Uh, insult his family or him trying to butcher that, so we're going to go with DJ. Everyone knows who we're talking about. Riley Leonard, although it sounds like Notre Dame may be um, hot, in hot pursuit there. Uh, you know, K-State's stud. Uh, Will is is off and, and thinking about the NFL, but, but could land somewhere else, and he's already won a conference title. And that, that's a big question. I, I think nebraska wants a passer first that's got some mobility uh and, and they have that in in chubba i i think but you, you've got limited options you've got a a, a run first guy in, in harburg as it sits right now and then you need one more face for that room that that's not a, a true freshman coming in from high school in kalen so you got to look don't you to the portal
3: yeah i think you do um <clears throat> The, the question of dual threat or pro style is a big one. Um, and it's one that I'm kind of excited to dig into as we get into the off season. Um, I've got some, some plans for that on where Nebraska has been, where rules been, where maybe you'd want a team to be. Um, so there's a lot there to dig into. And I think assuming Nebraska takes a transfer quarterback, which way they go will, will be a meaningful data point. Out of the quarterbacks that are in there so far, um, I would say that Will Rogers, the K-State quarterback, who, if guys like the two you mentioned are kind of grad transferring and they they have an idea where they're going to go, they're off the board. But I think Will Howard, given the program he comes from, would be an Mm -hmm. excellent fit for Nebraska now probably every team in the country that wants a transfer quarterback is going to, to reach out to him and try to get him. It's going to be, it's going to be a tough, a tough pull there. Um, If if Nebraska isn't in the sweepstakes for him, for me, I start looking towards G five guys with a proven track record or even FCS guys potentially. Um, Because from what I've seen from the transfer portal so far is that it's just a little bit having that success, matters quite a bit
2: it's brandon vogel with us here on hail varsity radio talking tony white the transfer portal nebraska's quarterback situation and more and brandon i want to get into some other transfer portal areas something schmidt and i were talking about before the show i think we're going to get into it just a little bit later obviously quarterback whenever you need a portal guy that's always going to take the headlines at any program in the country but I think there's some other positions that need to get filled. I want to get your thoughts. Where else do you think Nebraska goes for transfer portal additions here this off season? Because Matt wrote kind of laid it out yesterday. He's setting the expectations low. Maybe they don't go get a quarterback this off season, the transfer portal. I still think they do, but clearly there's some other spots that he's going to be interested in as well. Where do you think he goes for, for the transfer portal to fill some holes aside from quarterback?
3: Yeah, I think it's, I think you're mostly looking on the offensive side. I think you'd take a receiver if, uh, if, if you found the kind you were looking for. I think the running back depth needs help with the just uncertainty around the injuries to your top two mm-hmm. so far. So those are the first two that come to mind. Rule said this week, you know, you can never be too deep on the D line. And with the D commit there this week, that might be another spot that I'd look for them to
2: add. Brady, you need some water. It sounds like you're starting to get a little choked up. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, talk about God the transfer. It's the new era of college football. Whenever you look back at what was and what is now, I, I can understand a man getting choked up over that. It's just everything. Uh, well, thing. I
1: was going to send Vogues a Nurse, but the nurse I have to offer me, he didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> Sweetie, yes, you're going true. to I, Tennessee. Uh, I am,
3: I am b- battling through illness. This is my flu game.
1: I love it. Vogues is going to go for 43, uh, and uh, I love it so. Linebacker is what we're going to get into next segment. Do you look at Nebraska being thin, like uh-oh, or just unproven?
3: Um, I mean, it's another spot where I could see him taking a, a proven player. Um, You know, rules has been pretty clear on this, and just talking about how big they are in development. You know, we saw a guy like Jamari Butler, what he was able to do with mm-hmm. – with his first real snaps. I mean, Bullock, a a guy who had played in the secondary previously. So my guess is that's a spot where they might feel a little bit more comfortable with where they were at um, kind of behind the scenes, perhaps. So, you know, if, if a player presents themselves there, I I think they're always going to look, but I think he's pretty serious about this. Like being a little bit transfer, the transfer portal being a luxury uh, mm-hmm. is where they want to be. He, he mentioned it in his press conference this week, you know, looking at where the playoff teams were. Georgia ranked 55th in 24-7's transfer portal rankings. Um, Michigan was 17th. Washington was 46th. And then FSU was 6th. So you look at those programs that are a little bit further along the line than maybe FSU was trying to come up there. I mean, Michigan's pretty far down the line. And... uh <clears throat> there's there's a good argument there that you want to supplement through the portal you don't want to have to rely on it
1: well the supplement of Coleman to Florida State from Sparty was <laughs> pretty awesome <laughs> to get the best receiver in the country uh, away from Uncle Ted in, in East Lansing uh, that was a big get Vogues real quick tell us about counter Reed. how can folks get involved with what you and Aaron are doing uh, fill us in
3: yeah, you can check us out at counterread.com. That's our um sub-sec, twice-weekly newsletter for paid subscribers. We also do a couple of free things a week to uh, give people a look at what we're doing. Have a big, uh, I know it's already started, but NCAA Volleyball Tournament preview coming tomorrow that I think is pretty fun, so mm-hmm. keep an eye out for that.
1: Voges, you take care. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
3: And now. And now, back to
1: Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Brandon Vogel for spending time with us. Hail Varsity Radio Thursday, presented by Cornhead Logger, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, 489 1240, 489 1240, or 800 825 5865. Plenty of Tony White thoughts, plenty of portal. Discussion points beyond just the quarterback. We'll get into Coach Gary Barnett in about 25 minutes, uh, and then Danny Burke, pride of Chicago, Burke's best bets. We'll get some college football uh, conference title game and NFL thoughts from Danny at 5:40. So, more comments to to read into. Uh, one from Scott as he checks in and. The concern level is where we're at with if Mr. White, yes, science, leaves uh, for uh, more money, a higher-profile program, or goes to an opening that he just wants to be a head coach. He's done his time already as a defensive coordinator. We'll see what the the next move is for Tony White. It needs to be a raise if you're a Nebraska fan and just keep him here. Uh, Scott's like, not a concern. Uh, in reference, he's responding to, I think, one of Dion's comments because most of the other assistant coaches on defense are rule guys. I think most stay, even if he took another job. I think he stays, though. That's what Scott's saying. And, and listen, I'm, I'm leaning towards Vogue's laid out some good points. I think it's a tough ask to go be your savior <laughs> for an offensive-minded coach in Lincoln Riley. And I think uh, if you're patient, the, the right – opportunity will will be there for you to have a great great career as a head coach with with the way he's able to he's led defenses at least the the last few years between Nebraska and and Syracuse and
2: the biggest concern to me should Tony White end up leaving this offseason is does he take any talent especially that young talent on the defensive side of the ball with him Do any of them enter their name into the portal to go follow Tony White that's a concern to follow That would get my my blood pressure raised just a little bit. But there's a comment from... It's not like Lincoln Riley's not done that or anything. And I want to clarify what I'm saying here by saying my concern level is low. He asked the question, so we don't need a good DC then. That's not at all what I'm saying with Tony White. I think Tony White is a great defensive coordinator. I think he did really, really good things for this defense this year. And I think losing him would be a loss. That being said, the point I'm trying to make here is that Tony White is not the only defensive coordinator in the country that would have found success with the pieces that Nebraska had defensively. Obviously, I think there's defensive coordinators out there, maybe like Alex Grinch from USC, that wouldn't have been able to find success with the pieces that Nebraska had this year. But I think if you're putting all your eggs in one basket and saying Tony White was the savior, he's the only one that could have done that with the defense last year, I think that's crazy talk. I think there's a lot of defensive coordinators out there, as I kind of said, that would salivate over the opportunity to come be the defensive coordinator for the guys that Nebraska has this year because they saw what happened to Tony White. They saw his status get elevated in the nationwide coaching rankings, if you will, that he did a great job with this Nebraska defense. And I don't want that to get swept under the rug, but I think there's plenty of defensive coordinators out there that could do a good to great job with the pieces that Nebraska has on defense now and in the future. So that's why my concern level is low, just because I don't think it would be – with Matt Rule's connections and with what Tony White would did with the defense this year, a lot of people around the country would see the pieces that he has. And I think Matt Rule would have connections of people he'd be able to go to that could come in and do a really, really good job with this defense as well. That's why my concern level is low. And that's why my biggest concern is probably the fact that Tony White, maybe if he should go, would take some of the pieces with him. It takes away some of the, the, the stuff you have in the cupboard for a, a potential future defensive coordinator to work with. But I'm not sitting here and saying, like, man, Tony White did nothing with this defense. I just think there's plenty of defensive coordinators that could
1: have done a good job with this defense. So Matt Rule found Tony White. Tony White was easy to find because of how good he is. I think he is that good. I think Matt Rule can go find another really good defensive coordinator. And Nebraska would would keep on trying to keep on on that side of the ball. So there are holes to fill with the portal, uh, and also in the recruiting world. You've got development versus transferring in, and quarterbacks, obvious that you got to kick tires on that. But, Elijah, you look at Nebraska and the linebacker spot right now, you lost Henrich, you lost Reimer. And thank you to those kids for their service, not kids anymore, but they've always been fun to cover and, and great effort. They wore it on their sleeve every every play, every game for Nebraska. And you're just a little thin right now and you're too deep at, at linebacker. And is is that kind of 1B when we look at positions of need for Nebraska? And let me just run down your linebacker options for Nebraska. You have Jamari Butler that's been playing good ball, Chief Borders, it's awesome time. Eric Fields, they've been just really impressed with but he's kind of that rover spot so put a little check next to Fields as far as just his versatility I really liked what Bayer did this year in his snaps you wonder if uh, Bullock is back or not Gage Stanger's a guy that um, is, is super versatile MJ Sherman Dylan Rogers, Jacob Bauer Grant Buddha, Grant Tagge guys that, that have been in the program your jack position's pretty loaded up with Princewell, uh, Sherman, uh, just to name a couple there. And uh, do you go look at a couple of guys that are linebackers to help kind of pad your depth? I think you need to. But I also like what Rule said, that they're going to keep developing guys. And Dvorak's linebacking crew did a really nice job. They did an absolutely nice job. And I thought the role you had for Henrich this year was Fantastic! I thought he was super impactful when he was in. Thought Reimer played really good football, and and then you, you saw guys like Jamari Butler. Man, that guy was a, a terror for more than just a, a play or two. I mean, he put it together for for halves of football. So, all that being said, they're going to do both. They're gonna they're gonna fill the hole with a little cement, i.e., the development. And uh, they may um, coat it with some dirt. And I'm not calling a transfer player in dirt, but that's my analogy. So th- they'll they'll look and see if there's th- the right fit out there for it. But they've got a, a slew of linebackers to pick from. You just want different body types because you're going to see 100 different offenses. You're going to see phone booth games. You're going to see spread out ball games. And you're going to see uh, the mobile quarterback games where – uh, you're going to see all, all facets of offense where you need to be able to match that personnel and, and adapt. And I'm going to preface this conversation. We only have about a minute left here
2: this segment. Preface this by saying we're using this under the assumption that Tony White is the defensive coordinator next season. If that were to change, yeah. I think your transfer portal <laughs> targets would change just slightly. But like Nebraska this season, for the most part, was less of a three-three-five and more of a four-two-five. That's kind of the, the benefit. Of Tony mm-hmm. White's 3 through 5 it's very versatile. You can do it how you want. We have Allen checking in on the stream saying Borders and Butler ended the year on the D-line. Kind of, not really. They're that Jack linebacker spot that this season Nebraska felt that they were Did best both. served to be playing that outside linebacker role on the line of scrimmage, a la Von Miller. I'm not calling Von Miller defensive lineman. He's an outside linebacker. I don't think I've seen him taking a snap five yards off the ball in his entire NFL career, which I'm sure he has. But you get what I'm saying. That's not his strong mm. suit. Same with Borders and Butler. They do really, really well on the end of the line of scrimmage as outside linebacker guys. Two-point, you don't have a hand in the dirt. You're technically still an outside linebacker. I think Nebraska is safe there. The concern spot to me is those two inside linebacker spots where Reimer and Hinrich were playing this year. That's where I get really, really worried about what does Nebraska have. Matt Rule spoke highly of Dylan Rogers, what he did in his redshirt year. Eric Fields, he's playing the Rover Isaac Gifford spot. Does he move into the linebacker spot? Do you keep Matt Rover? What do you do there? There's a lot of
1: question marks for that in, inside linebacker spot. We got Bayer and, and Javen Wright. Does Javen come back? I know he walked, but uh, a lot of questions there. We'll wind down Hour 1 with Hail Varsity.
3: And now... And now,
1: back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hail Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Logger, Chris Schmidt, to Elijah Herbal. 489-1240. 489-1240, numbers to get in. We'll catch up with Gary Barnett. We'll flip sides of the football, get his take on the offense specifically, alright duties, what do you What do you gotta have from your offensive coordinator what do you need to be in the final two to three minutes of a football game and uh, what does he think of Nebraska's quarterback situation uh, versus the portal and oh yeah uh, what kind of a, a mess is Colorado right now we're talking recruiting, we're talking portal we're talking coordinator well, Colorado's had a lot of transition uh, recently, so Coach Barnett checks in. We'll get his take as well on the college football weekend. Eddie Burke will join us. Uh, Burke's best bets. Thoughts on the NFL and college football trends and betting. reminder with dire law, workers' compensation. Are you confused about the options of your workers' compensation claim? Put your trust in the team. At Dyer Law, to help ensure that your rights are protected and you get the settlement you deserve, call the Dyer Law team today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. That's Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. Call Dyer Law today uh, regarding workers' comp if you need some help with that, but a pretty interesting discussion point. Uh, Nebraska fans via message board and social media—they're—they're uh, they're trying to find that ledge, Elijah. They're—they're—they're <laughs> they're, they're on it, but they're at least fastened in. Uh, at least some of the, the the circles I'm hearing. But just let it play out. Nebraska will uh, will get it figured out, good, bad, or ugly, if uh, Tony White is back or not. But. Hell of a coordinator you want to make sure you can at least offer or be competitive financially so you don't insult the guy.
2: And Mike Farrell, high-level college football insider, he tweeted earlier today, which, read into this how you will, no names named, but again, if you're reading tea leaves, if you're into that type. He tweeted, so hashtag fight on in reference to USC. That is their Twitter hashtag. So USC out here whiffing left and right on defensive coordinator candidates because Lincoln doesn't do defense. That sucks.
1: How do you, how do you practice? How are you going to talk to your defensive, whoever you're hiring, and say, okay, um, yeah, my offense is, is fun and gun. I've got a great quarterback. We're throwing it all around. How am I going to get my defense physical and be able to tackle? I mean, USC's been laughable at tackling. That rule talked about it a lot. That's why Nebraska's different in a really good way. It's kind of how they practice. They've been physical because they get physical Monday through Thursday. SC doesn't. Right. It's not that they don't have physical guys. It's not that they don't have talent. It's just how do they get ready? They're not. They're not going to put guys at risk. They're not going to slap each other around. They're going to chuck it around and have fun. We well, all sorts of patty cake.
2: Here's the question for Lincoln Riley: Do you adjust to the Big Ten, or does the Big Ten adjust to you? Huh?
1: Well, can I go I, there? I think Oregon. <laughs> I think Oregon's going to be okay in the Big Ten. I think Washington's going to be okay in the Big Ten, but. Oregon for the most part but uh, when it comes to on 3 the um, the the head guy at at SC's site Scott Schrader says I don't believe it's Tony White based on the information that was shared with him early this morning the the game the, the name you're hearing about is Jim Leonard All right Jim Leonard but Jim Leonard wants to go to the NFL
2: Sounds like they may have struck out
1: there too Uh-huh 3 and 0 oh, right <laughs>
0: Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal.
1: Back into it. at hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. We welcome in Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett as uh, he is back into uh, college football mode. Coach, good Thanksgiving. I know we talked on Black Friday last week, and that was great to spend some time with you. Thanks for that. But, back into your 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 football routine here after the holiday yeah pretty
4: much but uh you know last week there were so many good games and exciting games games that came down right to the wire it's really hard to beat that i'm sort of sort of disappointed we've only got about five or six games this weekend because last last week was just an incredible weekend and even though there weren't that many big upsets there were great games
1: a lot of great games and i want to go through the big 10 real quick uh, what what'd you take away with nebraska iowa i mean it was same same song next verse for big red fans as they were right there and made a play but couldn't hold on to the football again coach another turnover
4: well chris i i could not understand why uh, neither team would settle to go to overtime because that, you know, it, the chance to, to go to the 25-yard line and have four fresh downs and not have to go the length of the field uh, against – and the, if I'm on defense for Nebraska, I'm thinking that team can't go to the full field, but that team's going to struggle even from the 25. I could not understand why neither team would settle for overtime. And uh, I, I just I just really questioned the play calling on the on by both those two teams. First of all, Iowa can't throw the football, and uh, they throw a pick. And then Nebraska, you guys have the momentum and the advantage. And you know I don't know why they wouldn't just go to overtime. So hmm. I, I thought both of them, both teams made really critically. Um, Critical decisions that turned out bad for
1: both of them. Gary Barnett's with us, Coach. You've been in that position as offensive coordinator, where not everyone's loved your play calling, and you've got to do what's best for your football team. I'm interested to um, to kind of gauge your management of it. And the reason I ask that is because you know, Coach Rule's been asked this week as he evaluates things moving forward. Can you have? your guy in Satterfield be the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach originally he was supposed to be OC and tight ends coach and it, just from a management on top of getting guys developed Nebraska had to play three quarterbacks this year was it was it too much on the the old plate how did you juggle it because I know you had a lot of duties uh, as as an assistant uh, play caller uh, when you were at, at Colorado
4: well, no, you know, I, I I firmly believe your offensive coordinator should be your quarterback coach. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you don't want somebody else talking to your quarterback back while you're trying to call plays. You want to talk to your quarterback. And so I firmly believe that quarterback coach and OC is the best way to go. But you got to have the right guy doing it. And obviously, you can't have somebody who's never coached quarterbacks do it. But um, you can. You, you could. But... Um, no, when I was calling plays, I wanted I was coaching the quarterbacks, and I I wanted that out of my coordinators as well. The only time I didn't do that was with Tom Cable, who was um, uh, Tom was the uh, offensive line coach, mm-hmm. and so um, but uh, you know I wanted my my quarterback coach to be the coordinator.
1: Well, uh, and and that is something that wasn't the original plan. Nebraska wanted to get a quarterbacks coach. And and have Satterfield be the OC, but not coach the quarterback. So, uh, we'll see where where that goes with Nebraska. But what do you see with with Nebraska's quarterback situation, Coach Barnett? Do you do you like Chuba? Uh, you've got Harburg. I, you know, I don't know what Sims's future is. And then, of course, the topic of the portal. Uh, if you're Nebraska, and and Coach Rule laid out what the going rate is for some wow guys at quarterback between one and two million dollars. How would uh, how would you attack the quarterback situation?
4: I'd have to put my head into these times. Yeah. And I would, first of all, uh, the coaches and Matt Rule are the only guys who really know what Chubba Purdy can do. Mm-hmm. They know what the other two guys can do in practice. And um, so they're the only ones who know – looking forward whether chubble pretty can do what they want to do if he can do what they want to do then then i don't think you have to go in the portal the the, you know one of the issues with going in the portal is now when you take a kid out of the portal say jeff sims Hmm. and and now he, he doesn't work out then what are you going to do because he can't go back in the portal again after he's done it once and um without sitting out a year, which he doesn't have left. So, uh, you know, it's complicated. And I, I think uh, as long as my team understands, as long as my – really, even my fans understand that the portal exists and it creates opportunities, you're, you have a responsibility, one, to your team, two, to your fan base, and three, to win football games. So what – can Chubba Purdy help me win enough football games – To get done what needs to be done, and you know, some that might be if it's a crapshoot. If you're not sure, then I think you go get Will Howard as fast as you can, and uh, you know whether it comes, You you know, I the one million to two million anymore. I mean, that doesn't mean anything, Chris. Mm. Uh, Nebraska would find somebody to pay the one million, two million. I don't like it. I don't. I'm glad I'm not doing it. I don't know that I could swallow and live with myself doing it but i that's the reality right now and that's college football
1: gary barnett with us will howard is a guy that played great football at k-state went to a big 12 championship uh eight and three this year i couldn't believe the offense i saw in the snow globe game down in the little apple last saturday but that was fun to watch uh, do you think he ends up leaning NFL bef- uh, instead of college because i know he's, he's he's weighing that option too
4: well he's got to assess where he you know he needs to put his name into the NFL and let them tell him where he'd, he'd land and they'll evaluate they'll evaluate him and that's pretty accurate all the players that i've done that with it's been pretty accurate and then he can make a decision along with his representative but um you, you know i don't know that there's uh, a quarterback that uh, does what Coach Rule looks like he wants to do any better than Will Howard, and he's got all this great experience.
1: Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, let's flip it around, and tough way to end it for Colorado. What's your assessment of year one with Coach Prime? He's going to be named, I think I'm seeing today, the Sports Person of the Year for Sports Illustrated. That said, He's lost two assistant coaches and a number of kids that were verbally committed. Some four and five star guys are uh, are going elsewhere or looking elsewhere.
4: Well, I think they're looking elsewhere. We'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, the Stanford game, Chris. We went from winning our fifth game and being in a hunt for a bowl, and and uh, to uh, just people. I don't think they've recovered yet. I don't think that team has recovered from what happened in the Stanford game, a 29-point, 29, mm-hmm. 29 to nothing lead. I don't think we ever recovered from that. And I think it's stunned everybody. I think it's stunned the the uh, sports world and we ha- nobody's gotten over that. I think that uh, you know, this is the first time he's had to go put together a staff for a Division 1 program. I think initially he made some great hires, but as Time goes on, a combination of their management, his management, um, didn't work. And so you, you have to change it. And that's what's happening. Some of those guys are leaving because they want to leave and because of opportunities. Some of them are going to leave because he just doesn't think they're going to be able to do what he wants done. So, um, I, I think he's going to have to get more involved with everything, frankly. Um, And so we'll see how that works for him because he hasn't had to do that before, but I think he's got to be more involved day to day.
1: Gary Barnett with us a couple of minutes. Hale Varsity Radio talking some college football. So what is your take on management and how did you approach things with end of game situations? Were you calm did you you win more of those one score games than you lost? I ask this because it's going to be a way of life in the Big Ten. It is a way of life in the Big Ten, Coach Barnett. You know that. And Nebraska is still having problems closing things out. Were you able to simulate in practice what you saw or thought you might see in a game uh, to get better at those one score tight ball games?
4: That's, that's really hard to do. Uh, I mean, every one of those games are different. Every one of them come down to different s- scenarios. You have to keep a list of all the things that happened to you uh, through the years. And then, you know, as, as you, the first thing you do is on Monday, Sunday is you have a quality control meeting and you discuss what happened at the end of that game and what we should have done. And then that's documented. And uh, you, you cover that in staff meetings. Uh, the rest of the year, if this comes up, here's what we should have done. So uh, I, I'm a big believer in planning out for those moments. You know, planning just means you have a plan. You still have to execute it. And sometimes you don't execute it. Players don't or coaches don't. But you've got to have a plan for those situations. Uh, you know, I always thought I was pretty calm. You'd have to ask my assistants, you know, if I was. But uh, And I'd have to go back and look and see how many I won and lost. But uh, I'm not bragging about it or bemoaning either either one of those. Mm-hmm. I just know that I had a plan and uh, I would then try to work around that structure.
1: You, you went about it the right way. You were you were you were pre, you were confident in how you you wanted or you at least mapped out to go after it. Correct.
4: Well, that's what I thought. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the playoff picture here, Coach? We could have some. Chaos, are you expecting chaos this weekend with the, uh, the, the four spots up for grabs? First of all, i got to ask you, are, are you surprised Michigan did what they did last weekend?
4: Uh, no, no, I, uh, I'm not surprised at Michigan. I think they're the most complete team that's out there. Uh, you know, I think the, the biggest shakeup is going to be Oregon-Washington. I, I, I think Oregon's going to win that game. Uh, I'm probably rooting for Washington because I got two of my former coaches on that staff. Oh, good. I'm rooting for Washington and Oregon. I just watched them, and they, even the first game, they they just went for it on fourth down twice that they shouldn't. Uh, they win that game, so I think that's the shakeup that I see. I think uh, <clears throat> Florida State's going to have to win, and when I think, I don't know if they they have to win convincingly, but they can't. You know win it on a last-second field goal or a last-second whatever because, um you know, I, I don't think there'll be a chance. Ohio State's sitting out there. Washington and Oregon are sitting out there. Uh I do believe that if you're undefeated that you're going to get in, and I think Florida State will get in unless they just look terrible doing it. And, you know, it's not a good game.
1: How... uh how difficult could the old Dr. Pepper Big 12 Championship game be for Texas? Their, uh, sayonara, uh, moment with Oklahoma State and Okie State gets in. They they hung on and they're playing for their first conference championship uh, game in forever. And Texas is is right there. Who do you think's the fourth best team right now?
4: Well, I, I think probably Florida State over their body of work is, okay. but without their quarterback, I don't like their chances going into the playoffs. And I think it comes down to whether this committee thinks it's, it's going to be based on the body of work or whether it's going to be based on the team that looks the best at the end of the year. Uh, it just depends on what the head of that committee has designated as their goal at the end of the uh, playoff season.
1: Have you been approached or did you ever consider being on this committee?
4: I have not been uh, officially approached. Hmm. I was semi approached. I would be on it. I would do it, but I haven't been approached, hmm. and I'm probably going past the point where I would be.
1: okay. any danger for Georgia? any danger for Michigan?
4: No danger for Michigan unless they just don't prepare well, hmm. and that's not like Michigan uh Oregon I mean uh, Georgia, Alabama. You know, I, I don't know. It's a what six point game and I think that's about right. I mean if you're gonna win Georgia's gonna win, it's gonna win by a touchdown or less. Mm-hmm. But um you know, this is a classic game and I think everybody's looking forward to watching this one.
1: No, Milro has been a lo- a lot of fun. You take in or lay in the fifteen and a half, Texas, Okie State.
4: I'm taking I'm taking Texas. Okay. And and, and
1: all right, Gary Barnett, with us, Sail Varsity Radio, Coach. Uh, well, enjoy your weekend. Golf plans? Are you playing eighteen Saturday?
4: I'm playing in a tournament, and uh, frankly, I need to get my head uh, around it and square straight before I go into it because I'm I'm lacking a little confidence at this point. Oh in no
1: mind. what do you What are you worried about? Oh yeah, putting yeah. putting yeah. tee box. Where you yes. Where are you worried?
4: Yes. Yes, keep going. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, do well and enjoy your tournament, all right? Thanks for a few minutes today.
4: All right, Chris. Great being with you.
1: Good stuff from Coach Barnett, Hail Varsity Radio. Good to get his take on end-of-game situations, the portal, the quarterback, and uh, training said quarterback. Open phones here next segment. Hail Varsity continues.
0: Hail Varsity Radio is live now. Back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah, you want me to speak? We're not you yet. Yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio.
1: Thanks for hanging out. Good stuff from Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel earlier in the show. Can log on and find us the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Give us a follow on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at H Radio. And find Elijah Herbal on Twitter at Herbal Essence at Schmidt underscore radio for me. Danny Burke, Burke's best bets. Get some Vegas love. What's he think of Thursday night football and the conference title showdowns this weekend. Some NFL Sunday as well. Of course, big one with Philly and San Fran. Danny Burke will talk some numbers and get inside the numbers. 489-1240. Open phones here. A lot of time today on Tony White. How much smoke do you believe is uh, real with this USC opening? And uh, should you be worried if you're a Nebraska fan? I think he should be worried that someday he will go take a, another job. I don't know that you need to be worried right now. It's not that he's not good enough to do it. Uh, I just think that there may be some better opportunities if you, if you wait. This carousel... Right now has three head jobs open, Houston, Duke, Mississippi State, that are of note. Do you uh, make the move uh, to a program that's transitioning in? Yeah, USC would love Tony White. I don't know that that's the place you go uh, trying to get that, that jump to a head coaching spot. I think you can spend one more year under rule with another year of defense.
2: I will say, uh, Schmitty, look- my level of concern has gone up greatly within the last 10 minutes, and that's because I've determined a very large spider
1: is in the studio with me right now. Wow. So it's not about Tony White. It's about this arachnophobia. You,
2: might be able to see- you see him crawling across the wall right there? See him next to, next to- him the a microphone? Daddy,
1: is it a daddy long I'm I'm at home. I have basketball tonight, Gretna Southeast, locally on KFOR, so... I need to get there after this. I've been doing quickly. some research.
2: I believe it's an American grass spider. Um, I'm not sure why he'd find himself. in Is it the big and furry? Is it like one of them wolf spiders? It's not a wolf spider. I've had a wolf spider at my house. It is large, though, and it. Is, I the shoe is off if it becomes necessary. <laughs> it is off. <laughs> I might t- he's getting kind of active he was chilling and I was gonna let him be but now he's getting kind of active and I'm starting to get a little worried over here like usually I'm a live and let live kind of guy he's um, he's tired of our Tony White discussion but if you start reaching and, a point where I can't focus on my radio radio duties
1: anymore like might be time for you to go he's he's he seems to have calmed down I'm gonna keep the shoe well, off for at now At least make sure the mic is so where we can hear the the, the whack the thud <laughs> yeah the thud um that way but you you're uh, you're dancing with being unlucky right now and pretty interesting metric out there on twitter about nebraska being the unluckiest football team and this was uh bill red reduski from collegefootballdata.com he went through and did some uh, analytics work with the most snake-bitten teams, and Nebraska's the most snake-bitten team when it comes to opponent versus Iowa. Uh, you saw that, but when it comes to uh, Nebraska, <laughs> Nebraska is the unluckiest team. And the way Bill framed this on Twitter a couple of days ago, apparently you can take Scott Frost out of Nebraska, but you can't take um, Nebraska out of Scott Frost or something is is the way he put it nebraska just had some some tough moments uh piled upon tough moments for several seasons let's go to the phone lines jim's with us here on hail varsity jim thanks for waiting go ahead
4: yeah guys great show just just a question for you guys to bounce around a little bit though doesn't it uh seem kind of amazing that uh there's all this question about white leaving instead of uh my gosh when when was the last time that uh, we had uh, assistance being chased at Nebraska and uh, I think that's more of a of a positive than it is a negative uh, I think he's gonna stay but uh, I look at it more that way than I do uh, oh my gosh things are falling to pieces again so I, I anyway that's that's kind of my thoughts guys
1: no appreciate it yeah I mean it, it, it... Duly noted, for sure, Jim. Thanks for listening. Well, and kind and of to calling my point, in. back in hour one, it's usually
2: easier to find a replacement whenever a guy leaves because he's so successful than if you have to fire a guy and there's nothing in the cupboard. Usually easier to go find a replacement in one of those. In the one, mm. sorry, I should say in that circumstance.
1: Sure. Well, and you know, it's uh, yeah. Nebraska didn't have a lot of uh, turnover, uh, assistant wise, during uh, the Osborne era. Uh, you had minimal with. You had some guys retire under Frank, but. You saw more and more of it, and and you saw a revolving door with offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach during Frost's era. I mean, you were on into a new OC every year. So the topic of being unlucky, why do you think Nebraska is so unlucky? We'll open that package in a moment. This is Matt Rule. He was asked about it yesterday by Mitch Sherman.
5: Yeah, I don't think we're unlucky at all. I think we have to get better. I mean, that's... That, to me, that's part of the problem. Like that's what I was saying earlier. Like, like for me, this is man. We came in our first year. We got way better on defense. We figured out how to run the ball on offense better. Played great special teams. Man, we turned the ball over too much. You know, we didn't. You know, we didn't win fourth quarter games. We had we had we were five and seven. We had five games by, you know, basically three point. You know, three points or less. one went to overtime. I always count that as a one point loss. So by like three points or less, like, I don't. I don't want our guys in any way feeling victim. You know. What i will fight for is like again i've talked about before is again i'm never going to complain about officiating replay bothers me you know replay bothers me that we lost 12 seconds in the last game when i'm standing on the field screaming why is the clock not running replay bothers me that you know there's the targeting that doesn't get overturned and then sunday they say you know that that bothers me um but you know at the end of the day like to be to be minus whatever we were minus 17 uh you're lucky to be five and seven and so I won't make that the only storyline because that that takes you know that 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 lets too many people off the hook. Like everybody's got to get better, but I don't see us as unlucky at all. I see us as um, a team that a team that fought the hanging games that maybe maybe if we wouldn't have fought as hard, we wouldn't have even been in. Right? I mean, I, I watch some of the scores at the end of the year. I'm watching Maryland roll at the end, at the end of the year. I'm watching you know Illinois Northwestern. They're scoring 45 points a game. I'm watching you know like I think I think we we got in there. We competed in every game and fought and battled and had a chance in every game. It didn't didn't make it happen down the stretch. So I don't think it's unlucky. I think it's like, hey, let's just go back. Let's go back. Go back through the same thing from a year. Um, let's get a little bit better in every area, and let's make close losses, close wins. And that's that's been my history, as I've tried to do. So there's, I mean, I'm already on to year two right now. I'm not even still on year one in my brain. I'm, I've already moved forward, and I'm ready to go. So,
1: Good answer by Matt Rule. Get better make your own breaks, play better, make a tackle, hold on to the football, uh, be decisive and accurate, and execute in the two-minute situation, and away you go. And Nebraska had a lot of opportunity, Elijah, and it was just one, one, one in, I think, five this year. And those one-score opportunities, they, they won a one-score game against Northwestern, It's been a program problem, and it's just right now a year one problem for Matt Rule. And he's right. Go back to work. Get better. And uh, you had uh, Jackson check in uh, in the stream. Hail Varsity YouTube can find us there. It's not being unlucky. It's continued mismanagement of late game situations over and over and over again. The only thing in Nebraska gets screwed over on is officiating. Uh, Other teams know how to win. Uh, we don't. And, yeah, it, it is. It's a process to, to learning how to win and with with this team, with this roster. So they've got to get better at it. You have to have the right guy making the play or calling the play. And you have to have the right guy trying to execute said play, i.e. quarterback. So it's, uh, it's a whole bunch of things. It's not just one thing. And uh, Nebraska's got to be better at it because you're going to live life every week for the most part in the Big Ten and the new Big Ten – with uh, with one score, one possession ball games, you got to take care of the football. It's that easy. It's a fundamental thing that they're gonna, I, I am sure, practice, practice, and practice again. And the, their their tolerance level better not be what it's been last season for this year. When it comes to the quarterback, running back, whoever, uh, don't but don't let someone gather dust. Just make sure they're to the point, Elijah, where they where they just don't fumble.
2: And and it should be noted with this unluckiest team ranking it's based on an average of your success rate of your offense versus your success rate of your defense so if that kind of makes sense so Nebraska in this metric was more successful than their opponents on the average play whenever you average out every single play in a football game in three games what can lead to that inefficiency in the red zone they're getting touchdowns where you're getting field goals that could be an element turnovers Turnovers are a big element. That You know what? You've driven down all the way down the field. A lot of successful plays in a row. One unsuccessful play kind of skews the metric in that way. And then, Mm -hmm. as Jackson kind of alluded to, that late game management. You know what? You left too much time on the clock for the opponent, and they throw together one drive of successful plays against your defense, and now you lose the football game because of it, despite the fact that you've been more successful all game long. So there's a variety of factors that can go into why you're unlucky. Unlucky is a bad moniker for this this rating, in my opinion, because whenever you think of luck on a football field, you think of, oh, somebody fumbled on the sideline instead of the ball going out of bounds. It stays in how it, the, how and the ball bounce. Yes. Right. That, that's what unlucky means to me. This isn't about unluckiness. It's about honestly not playing up to your full potential, making mistakes in untimely moments. These are all factors that factor into what becomes the most unlikely team in America, quote unquote, because
1: I really don't like the term unlucky. It, it's just tight in the moment. And some of that's carryover. I believe and some of it's just ball security, common sense. Now, uh one thing I'll say is the uh the replay he has an absolute gripe. I mean, repay replay, doesn't matter what color your helmet was, switch sides. I mean, Nebraska got jobbed three different times in tight ball games. Again, don't turn the ball over three times in a fourth quarter. <laughs> don't put yourself in that position. That said, you have replay. It's instituted to to fix human error and don't get it wrong a second time. And, and the Zebras did that, not just to Nebraska, but to uh, to Iowa and a handful of other teams.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And be better with your, with your replay. You can't have the director of officials sitting there on TV on FS1 or Fox or CBS or NBC saying, well, this is clearly an incompletion. This is clearly a uh, a, mi- a misstep where the clock should be running. Oh, replay. <laughs> and you still botch it. Can't happen. But before you, um, I hear this segment, a quick
2: update from Spidergate. The spider, I was going to take him out. Did you whack it? I was going to take him out. He nestled himself among some wires I did not want to hit. He followed those wires up to underneath the soundboard, and my concern level's gone up. He's now hiding somewhere under the soundboard, which He's going to bite
1: your kneecap, and you're going to have a swollen right leg. Daddy Burke will help uh, make it all better when it comes to betting. Burke's best bet's on the way. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. All right, let's find out uh, a way to make some money. Some betting advice. Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago, Burke's best bet at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Log on, burksbeat.com, and find out uh, the latest. And Danny's all over it college football, the NFL. Danny Burke with us. Danny, how was the uh, the weekend? How did you fare? Are you still weeping about uh, Nebraska, Iowa, or did you have the unders in your fine?
6: Oh, man, I'm still weeping about college football. I went 0-2 at the college football pick. We're doing all right. You know, kind of a quality over quantity season. And then <laughs> Nebraska, obviously heartbreaking. I don't need to tell you guys about that. And then I was kind of having an obscure game later, Jacksonville State, who almost made for effort at the end. They ended up losing on a game-winning field goal. So uh, college football is a stinker. NFL, we swept the board 4-0. So at least that kind of salvaged the weekend. But. Uh, hopefully we can make a mark in the positive category for both this upcoming weekend, fellas.
1: Well, where you lean in uh first and foremost with the college football slate, a lot of options, a lot of choices.
6: Yeah, just put out an article today for the couple bets that I've made as of this point. The first one, let's take it to the SEC championship game with Alabama and Georgia. On Sunday, I was actually hanging with a with a pal who went to Alabama, and I was asking him, you know, what do you think the spread's going to be? And he thought it was going to be well over seven. Granted, he may be just a pessimistic Crimson Tide fan, but my guess was that it was going to be at about four and a half. And that's kind of where it opened, but then you immediately saw all this love go toward the Bulldogs. And I was able to snag six in the hook earlier today at one of the books here in Illinois. I would play it as high as six. I probably wouldn't want to take a five and a half or five. I'm not saying it's a bad bet, but you know, six can still be somewhat of a key number, especially if anything wonky kind of occurs in terms of overtime. But the reason that I like Alabama here, guys, is honestly, defensively, the Christian tied has been a little bit better on that side of the ball. And a lot of other categories, they are very similar to where it doesn't really justify, in my mind, Georgia laying six in the hook. I mean, I get the concerns of Milro and, you know, how he's had a rocky season himself, but I like that he's got the mobile threat. You know, it was a miracle the fact that this game means something based on how they ended the Iron Bowl. Now they have a chance for the college football playoff. But that's always a tricky spot for Alabama. So I'm not saying they're going to win. I think they have a great chance to win, and I feel comfortable enough based on how these teams have been. And Georgia's lack of strength of schedule. I'm not saying they're bad. I just don't think, you know, they're maybe as great as years past. So that's why, again, I don't think it warrants them laying six in the hook And then, uh, guys, for the other game that I bet, I went to the Big Ten championship game and somehow found a bet in this matchup. And I would have leaned toward laying the points with Michigan. I would have leaned toward the team total with Michigan. The spread's like minus 21.5, minus 22.5. The team total's anywhere from 27.5 to 28.5. So what I found was a bet at DraftKings that was team total touchdowns over 2.5 at minus 170. Now, I know that it's a chalky proposition there for Michigan, but look, if they're going to cover that spread, you've got to presume they're at least scoring three touchdowns. If they're going over that team total, they got to think they need to score three touchdowns. Yes, they could pile on field goal after field goal after field goal. I just don't really think I was going to prevent them from getting touchdowns. Yes, it's a very good defense, but the best offense they played with was Penn State, who's not even that great of an offense, and the Nittany Lions still put up 31 against them. Otherwise, Iowa has not played any lick of a confident offense. And the fact that Harbaugh's back, man, we know that he loves to pad those stats toward the end of the game to make a statement. So I think they're really gonna try to score as much as they can to kinda do, you know, a big middle finger to the college football uh, just committee out there if you're Harbaugh. So I think they get three touchdowns at least against Iowa.
2: Danny Burke with us here, Burke's Best Bets, and Danny, you're the expert, but I'll say I kind of like the Alabama money line this weekend, and my picks tend to go wrong, but for some reason, I think Bama has really come on as of late, but let's move on to the NFL because we have the Cowboys and the Seahawks tonight. I'm looking at Burke's beat here, Danny, and you're throwing the Cowboys into a Week 13 teaser. Tell me a little about the teaser and your NFL plays for the weekend.
6: Yeah, so, again, you're seeing the Cowboys really anywhere from about nine and nine and a half. When I took it yesterday, there were some eight and a half available. But if you have a nine out there for you, then you could just opt in to do a six and a half point teaser if you feel comfortable laying a little bit more and find a dancing partner. For myself, the other team was the Jabs, and I'll get to them momentarily. But, look, this is the bread and butter for the Cowboys, right? It's beating up on middling to below-average teams, and frankly, that's what you have with Seattle. I know they do show signs of life every now and then, but Geno's hurt. He's not playing as well. Tennis Walker's out of this game. Running backs don't mean a lot for a lot of teams, but for the Seahawks team, he does, and the defense has only gotten worse each and every week. And Don't forget, they just play the 49ers, and teams who play the 49ers the following week, there was a massive trend where they were just losing and losing. I know they got broken this year, but... With a team like Seattle who's not good enough to overcome it and are already banged up, I don't think that's going to prove well for them. So uh, why not, you know, tease it down, make it a little bit less sweat kind of bet for you instead of laying out nine and using the win by ten and them down below the key number of three. And then same philosophy here with Jacksonville on Monday night. Look, they're laying eight, teasing down six points, get him to two, get them to two and a half, whatever you can. This team is far and away better than the Cincinnati Bengals right now. Browning's in the next, He did. I guess you could say against the Steelers, but he's not going to go into Jacksonville on Monday night and beat this, you know, Super Bowl contending team, Jacksonville. I'm not saying they are a Super Bowl team, but their record indicates they're going to have a chance for it, unlike the Bengals. And their defense, guys, is atrocious. They've just been sloppy all over the place. Their season is obviously over at this point. So add a little comfort to Jacksonville and add them as your other season was.
1: Danny, what do you think about Philly and San Fran?
6: You know, Schmitty, at first, let me take it back a couple weeks because Philadelphia's been a team that I've been looking to fade, and I took Buffalo plus three and a half this past week. My goodness, that was an aggravating game to watch. But luckily, we got there, so I've kind of been fading Philadelphia. But now that the line has really kind of gone the opposite way, I find a little bit of intrigue here with the Eagles catching three. Now, San Francisco, I do think in general, is the better team. I will ride on that ship at San Fran is the better squad, but I think Philly with their home field advantage actually does have something. I mean, look, I don't want to, you know, just be the guy complaining because I won the bet at the end of the day, but a lot of people were complaining about it, too. That officiating last week for the Eagles, uh, that was just abysmal. And I do think not only that, but obviously just having a lot of good crowd there. And, you know, some raucous fans uh, there in Philly does help this Eagles team. Maybe they feel like they kind of have a chip on their shoulder because, They have the best record in the NFL, yet people like myself aren't believing in them. So, yeah, I would probably gravitate toward taking the points with Philly. I haven't done it yet, but that's kind of like the first out in terms of the bet, the one that I would definitely consider making next. So it would be the Eagles or pass, guys.
2: Danny, last thought here, about 30 seconds. Have you turned your attention to basketball just yet? We have Nebraska Creighton on Sunday as well for for the degenerates out there, the start of the Nebraska high school basketball season.
6: Wow. wow. <laughs> I, uh You know, I only bet one college game. It was Purdue in that semifinal. It was the most aggravated basketball game I've watched with the officiating. The Boilermakers did win somehow, but I need you guys to tell me what to bet. You're more, more locked into this nebraska uh, Creighton matchup, so I'm willing to hear your guys' thoughts.
1: What's the line? Don't lie yet.
6: You got that on deck? I feel like you'd, you'd know that off, off the top of your head, my friend.
2: I haven't seen one yet, so. Creighton
1: minus make? seven? Creighton minus seven, maybe?
2: I guess uh, Elijah, our take is I'm that? not touching this with a 10-foot pole.
1: <laughs> All right, well, we'll get back to you, Danny. Danny Burke with us. Uh, Burke's best bets. Uh, find Danny on Twitter, at Burke 5 Pride of Chicago. Thanks for the time today, bud.
6: Thank you as always, guys. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. And now.
1: And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity continues. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Big thanks to Danny Burke, Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel. As uh, we have spider experts calling into the show, Elijah, are you uh, at ease right now? There's a giant monstrosity in studio that has. Caused some concern. Dan on Twitter says, uh, don't worry about it tonight. The spider will just lay millions of eggs in your headphones <laughs> and, and go that route at you. Uh, yeah, and that was the problem. We, we had Kindle call in. We thank Kindle
2: for his expertise here. He said now is the time of year when spiders like to come inside and find a warm spot, such as a soundboard. To lay their eggs for the year before they inevitably pass away. So, that's where we're at right now. His recommendation to me was, if possible, put the soundboard in the freezer. And I'm not sure. You can't really see the soundboard over the stream. You can't really see it through your radio either. Uh, I'll lay it out for you. It's about, what would we call it, Schmitty? Two and a half feet by two feet? Mm -hmm. It's a good size soundboard. I don't think it's fitting in the freezer. I can't really get to the bottom side of it to remove any potential spider eggs. So, there is a good chance that come... I don't know, early springtime, we'll have millions of spiders, small and babies, crawling out of this soundboard. So, watch out the, for that. The shaman.
1: best news about that, though, is based on how old and, uh well, I'm just going to say it, vile the carpet is in that building, that it'll it'll snuff out the uh, the spiders and the baby spiders in no time. <laughs> it's toxic in here. Well, the problem is... Right, like, I mean, we don't, we don't know that there's black mold, <laughs> but... There might be. Well,
2: I know for a fact that I spilled an entire tray of beans in here one time, and I didn't do a very good job cleaning them up. I did, I did my best with the resources I had on hand, but, like, mm. yeah, no, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of, of toxins within this building in some way, shape, or form. Well,
1: it's an old building, and I think it used to be an old, what was it, the old VFW? It was the old VFW, yeah. yeah. Right. So plenty of ghosts in here as well. Yeah, there is, and I think there's... It doesn't smell like smoke when you walk in. The wrong thunderstorm hits uh, Cornhusker Highway at the wrong time. Things will leak for a little while. Well, I've told you about... That's always healthy. I was
2: in here for that post-game show that one time, and it straight up just started randomly smelling like smoke in here. I couldn't figure it out. It smelled like smoke for the entire post-game show, and it was fine whenever I walked in on Monday, but that was concerning.
1: Mm. Yeah, you did think there was... Uh, some sort of gas leak or something. Oh yeah, that's it. That it's more like propane, not smoke. It's more like propane yeah. in here.
2: Yeah, that was. Concerning. And you
1: know we're within explosion distance behind the uh, the fence. <laughs> meth labs. Well, you say meth lab, I say trailer park. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. I no. I'm just saying that you know it's it's you, you can uh, get hit. Buy a vehicle, just going to work. I mean, you just roll the dice every day. Is is, is the best way we'll put it. The podcast is the way to find us on Hail Varsity, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, is where you can find Hail Varsity Radio. The interviews you want, or the entire show, or just the segment you want to hear. Check us out that way. You can rewatch the show a couple of different ways. The Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Hale Varsity Radio Twitter. Find us there at HVarsity Radio and give Elijah a follow on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Chris Schmidt, that's me, at Schmidt underscore radio. Plenty of thoughts, Nebraska Creighton. We get you geared up for the weekend. More Nebraska football tomorrow. And so uh, we'll be back at 4 and locally on KFOR, KFORnow.com 720. We'll be ready for Gretna and Southeast High School boys basketball tonight have a good evening thanks for tuning in to hail varsity powered by cornhead lager
2: a hood media production